I'm Dr. Masood Raja, and today we have a wonderful opportunity of having a conversation with Dr. Naila Sahar. And I would just briefly like to introduce her. Dr. Sahar did her PhD as a Fulbright Scholar from State University of New York, Buffalo, uh, from the Department of English. Uh, her areas of interest include gender studies, Islamic feminism, feminist studies, and her dissertation was entitled Reimagining Muslim Women, Gendered Religious Life and Resistance in the Age of Islamophobia. And we'll probably get to talk about that too. Her works have been published in South Asian Reviews, South Asian Voices, and Journal of Commonwealth Studies. And Dr. Sahar is currently Assistant Professor of Literature at Foreman Christian College, a chartered university in Lahore. So, uh, welcome, Nailaji. Thank you so much for thank making you. time for this. And thank you so much, Dr. Raja. It's always such a pleasure uh, talking with you, having you for talks, and uh, thank oh, no, you for proposing this. No, and thank you so much for making time. I know, like, uh, it's busy time, and also, you know, you have family and COVID-19 to deal with. So my idea was that, you know, kind of, we are dealing with it over here, but also to get a perspective about as an academic and as a teacher, how are you and your community dealing with it? So how was the transition to a sudden online teaching for you? Uh, Dr. Raja, it's been uh, not easy, I would say. Um... I have been teaching as a regular faculty at Formal Christian College and as a visiting faculty at UMT. So uh, the kind of approach that these both institutions had, it was so different that I felt like, you know, going with both kind of um, uh, modus operandi wasn't easy for me to manage because uh, UMT's approach was like jumping into Zoom classes right away without any trainings. Mm -hmm. And uh, without any, you know, kind of uh, um, intimation regarding that. FC took some time and uh, it took some time in uh, intimidating us, intimating us, sorry, intimidating us, <laughs> this whole experience has been so. So, but yeah, they intimated us about it and they told us that this is how it will go. There is LMS, there is going to be Zoom probably. And they, they also encouraged us that you can teach in any way you want. For example, they said this that we can use WhatsApp as well. They said that we could just record the lectures and put them uh, um, online for students or just send them the links. However, um, at UMT, it was like, okay, you have to be there on Zoom with your classes for consistently three hours. And that experience was like, mind-blowing in the sense that what to do in three hours three hours is such a long time period when you don't when you don't have students you know face to face uh, with you they can't discuss stuff and you can't see them virtually because uh, most of them are not comfortable using the video mode mm -hmm. and I kind of left it on them that okay fine if you're not comfortable using the video and showing us yourself on the camera I'm not going to push you for that because I can see that it's uh, some people are not uh, comfortable enough for that. So um, I 
I knew that this time, this is an extraordinary circumstance for all of us, for the teachers, for students. And I felt like I should give them the leeway to choose whatever they want. Uh, if they want to show their faces, fine. If they don't want to do that, I'm good with that. And uh, this is what happened. Since I couldn't see them, there wasn't a dynamic of participation there a lot. And uh, however, the FC classes, uh, they had, since FC had given us, uh, uh, you know, the choice to choose whether in the Zoom classes or not, upload, upload your um, lectures or not, or, you know, try to connect in whatever way is comfortable with you. So I thought that it was a good idea to at least take um, each course one hour Zoom class every week. So that's how I managed. How many? Actually, a lot in, in Pakistan. You must be knowing that, that yeah. even an assistant professor is taking seven courses per year. Wow. So this time I had opted. It was crazy this time. I was teaching two courses as a visiting faculty, four courses here at FC. So I was teaching six courses. Oh so God. you can imagine what I was going through. It wasn't easy. Uh, and when UMT is wanting me to be there on Zoom classes three hours per week for every class, and at FC, I decided that I am going to be there for them on Zoom at least per hour every week. And uh, with students, with FC students, since it was just one hour per week, what I did was um, I invited them that, okay, fine, if you would start talking on the Zoom classes, it would be a lot of... Um, we won't be able to understand each other. So what I did was I opened the chat for them and I said to them that, okay, keep on writing your uh, ideas, your um, confusions, your any concerns. You can keep on talking with each other even if you want to say anything you want. So I opened the chat for them. And then um, every once in a while during the lecture, I would open the chat read what they were saying and even take their names that okay for example okay someone you said this um okay rabia you said this so i think yes this is how it is or i don't agree or i disagree or is there somebody else who would like to you know um, um say something about this point so i feel like the online teaching has been a dynamic where teachers had to be extremely considerable of the circumstance they were going through and they had to be empathetic as well with the um, uh, with the students considerate and empathetic as well mm -hmm. so and i felt that i missed my students so much yeah. because they were not there and i missed the, their participation a lot so yeah. I so you you also had the zoom classes Oh, thankfully, you know, I was better prepared for it because I already do so much work online. Yes. So I was immediately able to shift to my classes to StreamYard and just deliver live lectures. But then I'm lucky I only have two classes. Uh, my wife, Jenny, had wow. to struggle because she teaches four classes and there are four different oh classes. So she had to start from the scratch. Mm -hmm. So I think it depends on what our technological mm. engagement is and then what's our teaching load. But I, I saw like in your comments, what I was noticing was that there are yeah. constituencies in this pandemic, right? There are teachers, you and me, there are the students whom we serve, and then there are the institutions mm. right, whose job it is to facilitate these things. So what I can gather is that in your case, 
FC was able to come up with a strategy mm. and encourage you to tackle this unusual situation, whereas the other institution, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, they yeah. were kind of probably less prepared, but also right. that you must do what they thought was absolutely necessary. So I think that plays a huge role in our performances. Right. Did you all have to take into account the digital divide that, that some students might not have access to internet or a good connection or even a mobile phone? I mean, I know the teachers did, but did the institutions keep that in mind as well? Or? Institutions did keep that mind in mind. And I feel that FC has been, again, their strategy was really good about it. Because you know, Pakistan, we are, we are still not that developed where everybody uh, could have a good internet connection. And uh, many of them, they're living in Waziristan, from, you know, northern areas, for example, Hunza. And they would keep on complaining that they don't have nice connections good connections and they can't attend the classes so did um they arranged for uh, course packs and uh, for that they also asked the faculty that uh, they record their lectures and lectures in usbs and then those usbs and the whole course pack was shifted to two rooms and given to them through the mail so uh, that one is connecting with students. Other than that, um, there were a few students who dropped out. There were some who wanted not to drop out because already they had spent a lot of money and they wanted to like, keep on going with their courses. So in that case, there were many students with me who wanted to keep in touch through the WhatsApp because mm. WhatsApp doesn't require that much of a good connection. And you can at least drop the message to the teacher and let them know that I'm working or I'm going to a certain place every time to listen to the lecture. And then I'm trying to complete uh, my assignment. Every time was record those Zoom lectures and then email them as well. So in that way, every student who was not, who didn't have a connection right at that moment when the lecture was going on, they were able to read uh, or uh, the emails, they were able to uh, listen to the lectures later on whenever it was convenient. So in that manner, um, we kind of tried to manage uh, other than that, there were such strange problems and such, I mean, like horrible problems, not not strange because the whole, the whole world is going through this strange phenomena. So there were like people losing their relatives, losing their parents because of COVID-19. They were, you know, there has been a concern about um, a domestic abuse as well. So yeah. the, one of my MSL students, she wrote to me that she is... Yeah, that she is uh, living with her husband who would uh, constantly abuse her and emotionally and physically. And uh, she was like, I don't know how to continue. So, you know, telling them what to do was a challenge for uh, for the teachers. For me, I felt like I'm not only a teacher, but, but I am also kind of counseling them as well. So early throughout, I was trying to, you know, understand them and trying to give them the suggestions that could somehow work for them. But this student who kept on complaining about uh, the, the abuse, I, I was totally clueless what to tell her. I didn't know what to tell her. Go where? Things going on throughout the country and yeah. she's already, yeah. Yeah, and the question then is like when in these crisis situations, then things come up that are caused by the pandemic and it's attending, but then we, as teachers really 
neither have the resources yeah. nor the training to actually deal with it exactly yeah so what's yes. the institutions plan for the next fall semester right. are so, they so yeah there has been a yeah are you asking about the institution is working ahead for uh, like what are their plans for, for the, the fall, fall semester online have you been told that you'll be yeah. teaching online so we haven't gotten any what are you doing in order to prepare for the fall like are you already developing classes and content online or recording your lectures or... um yes i'm kind of uh, getting ready for that as well because i know we can't be back to the institutions as yet uh, i've heard that punjab government is doing something about it and they are wanting the students to be back on campuses but uh, they're also very apprehensive about how would they take the myers to kind of save everybody of uh, you know the infection and how uh they would manage the the distance which is required which is kind of not possible when the students are sitting in the classrooms mm -hmm. there is a proposal as well that if they would like the students back to the campuses it would be just a 3 hour uh, day uh, of classes so um let's see they they are thinking about that uh, uh, in the schools as well um i'm not sure what the universities are going to do so i think it will have to go online even this time as well because i don't i don't see things getting okay as yet in pakistan they say there is a kind of a, a second wave now mm -hmm. i can see us is doing much better i don't know if they're doing better or they're like winning no. uh, places but when i look at the pictures it's the stupid governors opening too early the smart ones are still being very cautious oh my god And of course like we have the stupid <laughs> I, president I so go figure oh but god. uh one thing that like my institution there is a lot of uh, my institution has done is that people who have chronic health conditions like heart diabetes and all professors they have already asked us to fill a form where we can request that i will teach remotely uh so they've already started doing that for people that with nice. conditions i mean they are required by law to accommodate us but the law is a bit fuzzy on it but my university at least is already planning that anyone who has a chronic health condition and their family members if they have a family member with a chronic health even then they they can be exempted from face to face teaching i guess i mean a lot of what we do depends on institutions and how they treat us and our that school. is really nice of them yeah i have noticed that the, the that the college administrations uh not fc but other administrations they are uh the ones that are really paranoid about uh, you know controlling their faculty especially uh what they are doing is they they are extraordinarily uh you know it's a kind of surveilling that is going on they would keep a, keep an eye whether you are taking class or not for how many hours you are taking that did you take student attendance or not you have to fill the whole performa uh, in the middle of the course during the course regarding your classes so there is a paranoia going on regarding you know uh, the the teacher surveillance as well because they mm -hmm. feel that if we are paying you then we have to put you in a very difficult position where you have to show your performance and uh, you have to make it show that you are like kind of uh, busy the whole day long doing something with us and only then we'll pay you so i don't know if this dynamic is only in pakistan because it's it's very difficult then um 
I have experienced it myself as well. Uh, you know, the kind of surveillance um, uh, with this other institute where I'm um, working as a VF, visiting faculty, and there is so much surveillance that it you you it exasperates you, and you feel, um, you know, as if the sanctity of your profession is kind of challenged because you're not trusted enough as a teacher. Mm-hmm. So uh, this other dynamic, which I feel is very upsetting, uh, the organizations that are uh, running teaching as a business. Yeah, and I think the private universities are likely to be more like that. I mean, that's my guess about Pakistan. Yes, But, they are. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, in terms of, you know, we've talked about students, but obviously this is also impacting our own lives. So have you seen, you know, how has it yes. impacted your own life? It's not easy again. That is also not easy. Why? Because initially my husband was also working from home and we needed four devices to work. Mm-hmm. And really good internet, which is, you know, kind of an impossibility here. So we had like two connections of internet, two devices connected somewhere else, two connected somewhere else. We needed quiet places. And I feel that uh, teaching online and uh, studying online is also a kind of privilege, you know. You uh, you need to have devices, which are, and you need good internet connections, which again cost a lot. So again, that's the dynamic where, where um, only those who are privileged enough to have good connections, four devices, three devices at least, only they are able to, you know, kind of get it running. Yeah. So in terms of teaching and studying at home, from home, um, it's been very difficult for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, one thing that I liked about our institution was... Uh, that the library or library which has remained open with limited personnel uh, made available about, I think they have about 400 laptops that the students can borrow if they don't have a laptop for their classes. And then they also wow. declared certain areas on campus which are internet hot zones. So like you can sit in a corner on our campus and take your class or do your work. And they went out of their way to promote these things. I mean, we have a whole COVID-19 team that spearheads the health issues, but also the student-related issues. And I, I found that aspect of our university really impressive, mm-hmm. that they had a plan, they still have a plan, and and they're implementing it. For That faculty. is amazing. Yeah, for students. I mean, even for faculty, like my laptop died the very day the lockdown happened. And so I was able to contact our own department, our own uh, computer support, and they lent me a laptop, which I've been using. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it, it to rely on wow. just on faculty to do everything. Uh, I think increasingly the difference I see is it's, it's never really just the resources. It's whether someone actually thinks of these things or not, you know, at the higher administration level of a university. So Very true. Yeah. So do you have, Very like, true. any questions about our experience or our students or anything? 
anything that you would like to i would i would love to i would love to listen to your <laughs> to uh, know how your students are responding to it are they are they like liking it or they are complaining how do they how it's coming well, along I mean, when we went into online teaching of course they were all apprehensive right because it was a huge transition and you know you have been at a american university just like uh, in mm-hmm. pakistan part of the education is the college experience you know coming to campus and meeting your friends but i think what i did with my classes was that uh, as soon as we went online i basically told them this i can't run this class like i was going to run a face to face class so i told them that my main mission from that till the end of the semester was to see them through so i relaxed like any stringent requirements that we might have had yeah. we for uh, formatted the courses but the purpose was to make sure that they stay in the class and they finish mm. so and and reassuring them overall uh, i am deeply mm. impressed with our students i mean you know the students generally in united states you've taught probably during your phd you know they by and large majority of them are kind and generous we don't have the kind of disruptive problems that i experienced while in pakistan there are no students who are rude to you or try to tease you if you're a female professor right um, that's the general educational culture we have especially i mean there are problem students we get every now and then so i would say i i really actually absolutely again fell in love with my students the way they treated me because Aww. they were concerned about me and the way they were patient with me as we made the transition and i, I always respect my students but this experience has really make me appreciate as to how diverse our student body is especially at unt and how generous yeah. and kind they are yeah. so that was impressive that's that's amazing i have noticed the same i have noticed that students are resilient and they are ready to take up challenges mm-hmm. and uh, they responded they they uh, they the best under these circumstances is really impressive uh, dr raja i had another question from you which about which i am really confused myself as well how to if the students is one thing that every teacher is quite uh, you know uh, th- they're thinking how to do that because i have read a few posts of teachers where the teachers are like okay if right from the beginning of the semester because it's 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 been so challenging for everybody so we are going to give you an a so you know there has been that approach as well uh how do you feel about that should we be grading them an a just because uh, the pandemic is going on um is it appropriate to do that or um or just grade them the way we have been doing always what should be our approach uh, towards grading and evaluating them towards the end of semester i think like something in the middle of obviously we can't just say you get an a for participation right but uh, what i tell my students when they walk into my class philosophically mm-hmm. speaking is i tell them you are all a students now you have a semester to prove to me that you deserve that right the idea is that they think of themselves as good students and then of course step by step their tests and all my approach was that uh, by the time we went online our students had done half of the work so i told them from now till the end all you have is a final exam 
and a paper, right? So I will help you finish that, but I will make sure that my expectations of you are not as much as, as if you had a functional library and you could go to campus and do your research. So I eased those expectations. Yeah. But it wasn't just handing out A's. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We have a question here from one of our participants, and it is, yeah. apart from the issues of infrastructure and institutional management, how do you motivate your students and keep their interest in learning through virtual, virtual platforms? So I think it's addressed to you. That's an interesting question, actually. Yeah, yeah I would love to answer that as well. Mm -hmm. um, I think for me, it is through my tone. I feel when I'm will have to keep it is highly dependent on what we are saying and can we keep their interest intact or not. So I try that the way I'm speaking, I make them feel that even if they're not look, they are not looking at me or I'm not looking at them, it's just our sounds. I just try to make it more conversational uh, and as much conversational as possible. So uh, uh, I think this was the question, if I'm not getting it wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, this is one of the ways through which I kind of keep them occupied with what I am saying. Because at this time, through the virtual teaching, I feel that's the most challenging thing, how to keep them ingrained in what you are saying. Because you never know if they're listening to you or not, since we can't see them. So, hmm. you know, they're on their own. So I feel this very challenging to, you know, kind of keep them ingrained in what I say. And I feel my tone through which I'm kind of uh, saying something, it has to be very dynamic. It has to have that high and pitch to keep them interested in, in, uh, in the point that I'm elaborating. How do you do that, um, Dr. Raja? I agree. I mean, it's um, in my case, it's like going out of your way to be more empathetic, right? And, and to what I've noticed works for me in these virtual environments is to, to you know, come across as open and caring. Uh, I, I mean, if you have read your yeah. you know, phrases and yeah. others, uh, people do feel more connected and uh, more uh, engaged if they know they are being acknowledged, right? If they are recognized. Uh, but also, I think empathizing right. and and particularizing. I had one student who, you know, who had, you know, all our students had gone home. And then one of the students messaged me and said, well, I can't be during my class time because I already took a job and I have to work a shift. So my first response was, uh, no, you have to be there in front of your computer because it's just like a face-to-face -face class. And I sent it to her. And then I realized this student yeah. is, you know, right now somewhere in Louisiana. She has to now go and talk to her boss and say, can I reschedule my class? So I immediately then messaged her back and I told her, look, don't cancel your shifts, right? You know, I mean, 80% of our students work through college. I was like, don't cancel your shifts. I will record the lecture and have it available for you. But for future classes, please don't schedule work during the class hour. So it was obviously a misunderstanding on her part and kind of slightly unkind on my part not to put myself in her shoes. 
And that taught me something that, I mean, if you look at my office computer, you know, I have a sticker here right at the bottom which says, be kind. Do you know why? Because sometimes you get an, an email which oh, is yes. and which has offended you, right? And you want to immediately say something and then you suddenly realize, no, no, you know, this is an 18-year-old. Uh, you have to treat no. kind. <laughs> so I think that works for me. Now, gender plays a huge role in it, right? I mean, men tackle students differently here as well as in right. Pakistan. My wife has a totally different experience, right? She is kind and generous, but she also has to be firm because students, especially male students, tend to trivialize the work of female professors, right? In so many cases, I don't want to generalize yeah. that. Yeah, so I cool. think there, uh, uh, as a female professor, the strategies will have to be slightly different because the dynamics, the gender dynamics of that relationship is different. Yeah. But by and large, as you said, you know, tone matters in the students as long as they know that yeah, we care about their learning, I think they respond more positively. Sorry, I'm talking too much. It's your interview. So I had another yeah, question about cool. your uh, No, no, it was, it was such, a, such an important point. Mm -hmm is uh, how has it impacted, let's say, your research work? You know, we're talking about you as a teacher, but, you know, you're also a scholar, and especially in a very critical stage, because you just recently, a, a year or two ago, finished your PhD. You're transitioning into a professional life. So how has this epidemic impacted your research work? Dr. Raja, uh, again, it's, it's been challenging in terms of uh, having time for research. Because when you are at home, I feel like it's even more difficult to work from home than it was from my office. Because at, at your office, you are going to the class, then you are coming back, then you know you have an hour for, uh, just for your own work. Here at home, um, being a mother as well, I would, uh, I would tell you that it keeps me constantly occupied because, uh, okay, fine, I've given a class. Then it's for kids. It's okay. We have to eat something. Fine. Now you have your online class. Okay, sit and walk. Now it's your homework. I'm going to help you in that. Now it's my class again. I'm going to sit for that. Um, then again, it's, it's probably snack time for them. So back and forth, so much is happening the whole day. Mm -hmm. long um that very challenge out time for research. um i have been kind of trying to allocate time for different things and i would say that uh, because of this allocation of time for different slots uh the thing that has gotten impacted the most is my sleep um because every time everybody has gone to sleep i feel like okay now this is me time probably and i should sit and study something and uh, probably write a few lines. And that uh, has greatly impacted uh, probably my, uh, you know, this, this, of course, the normalcy is, is not there. You just have to fake normalcy. Mm -hmm. So it has impacted my sleep cycle. And when, when you don't sleep well, uh, you're kind of grumpy the whole day. Yeah. So um, I feel like being a mother as well, it's been more challenging. And I, I kind of always 
envy those women um, who probably uh, by choice uh, or otherwise uh, who like to be just academics and uh, they had more time uh, for their career. Uh, being a mother, being an academic, uh, it it is so much juggling and it's crazy sometimes. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm kind of allocating uh, time slots and sometimes comp compromising on my eight hour sleep. If I get a four hour sleep, I feel like, okay, it was a good day. <laughs> I know it's very bad, you know, work through it. And probably I need to need to ask people who are in situation. How do they do that? Okay, so like we are uh, yeah. almost reaching right. 40 minutes and this will be available for your students and everyone else to watch on my YouTube channel. So uh, as a parting uh, comment, right. would you like to leave a message for your students and everyone else who's listening to this? Anything that you would like to say? Yeah, everybody everybody who's listening to us right now, I would tell them to follow Dr. Raja's uh, huh. Facebook if you're allowed to do that because I'm so impressed with how how you do that, all that multitasking. You are a fabulous <laughs> researcher. You like gardening. You are making stuff, such cool stuff with leather these days. <laughs> you have so many pets. You have been growing vegetables, making a pagoda and whatnot. I'm so impressed with It's because we don't have kids. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to take care of them. <laughs> oh, my God. I think that's a huge... You are amazing. You as a couple are amazing. Other people share. But thank you. And thank you so much for doing this. And as always, in your classes, if I can be of any help, uh, you know, in any way, please never hesitate thank to you. contact me. And stay safe. And Thank you so much for... Uh, yeah, you too. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for always being available for us in Pakistan. It's it's a fabulous contribution that you are making. Thank you so much, Dr. Raja. And it was thank, such a pleasure being with you. Same here. And thank you for joining me today. We'll do it again. Okay. All right. Khuda Hafiz. And take care. We should. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Khuda Hafiz. Khuda.